0: we're here to say that the bible does speak to your life it is worth looking into
1: and we're here to help you you may have questions we want to talk about that in ireland i feel like we've had a lot of religion not everybody has that relationship with god and i think that is the most important the faith on fire podcast with steve and oriel welcome to the podcast today thank you for joining us You know, Christmas is a time of giving and receiving gifts, and while I think that we ought to keep Christ at the center of Christmas, I think it's really beautiful to celebrate, you know, the birth of Christ by giving gifts um, and thinking of others. Um, You know, I've got kids in my house, and Steve, you do too, and there's a lot of excitement in our house about Christmas and the gifts, you know? Would you say the same?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the spirit in our house with the kids. I mean, the kids have just kind of been running around, very lighthearted, yeah. and I think it's just the anticipation of Christmas coming yeah. up and yeah. knowing that they're going to be presents under the tree there in a little bit.
1: So Heather came in last night and she was hiding some presents, and the kids were squealing because they know, like you know, <laughs> coming up they're going to be getting some of those oh, presents. Yeah. yeah. Well, today um, as Christmas approaches, um, we we want to talk about. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Um, You know, maybe you've experienced getting a present that you didn't really want. Okay. I know I've experienced that once or twice. I think I'm pretty easy to buy for. But when you get a present that you don't really want, uh, you know, you, you say something like, Oh, thank you very much, you know, but really you're searching for the receipt because you want to go and exchange it for something you really <laughs> like, you know. Um, today we're going to talk about a man in the Bible, his name was King Ahaz, and God offered him a gift that he he didn't want. Um, and as we look at the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it was a prophecy that was made to this man Ahaz. But he did not want the sign that God was offering him. Well, uh, I, the Book of Isaiah is quite old, Steve, isn't it? How how old is the Book of Isaiah?
0: Yeah, actually, uh, most uh, well scholars debate the exact date of it, um, but uh, we believe that the the dating of the Book of Isaiah goes back to the eighth century. Hmm. And uh, we do have very old manuscripts, actually, um, yeah. called the Dead Sea Scrolls. You may, may have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were discovered in, in, um, in uh, an area called Qumran in 1946. Hmm. And amazingly, these manuscripts are dated to anywhere between 1 and 300 years before Christ. And in those yeah. scrolls, we have the most complete Isaiah manuscript. It's known as the Isaiah Scroll. Hmm. And so the earliest manuscript of Isaiah that we have goes all the way back to like the 2nd or 3rd century B.C. Wow. And so when we're talking about prophecies here, um, these are prophecies that we know were written many yeah. hundreds of years prior to their fulfillment. So when mm. Jesus came and fulfilled these in the Christmas story, these were prophecies that were written many hundreds of years prior. I mean, and that's a historically verifiable fact. Yeah, And so this is a genuine prophecy that mm. we're talking about.
1: Mm. Amazing, really. Um, I, I remember reading, too, that uh, historians of all backgrounds, you know, that would maybe say, I don't believe the Bible uh, will recognize that the Dead Sea Scrolls are indeed ancient, you know, that oh, they yeah. came yeah. from Without before the mm-hmm. time of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it it's amazing too. I remember hearing the book of Isaiah when they discovered it, th- there were two words that were spelled differently. That was the only difference from the current Hebrew manuscripts they had in 1946, amazing, which just demonstrates people will say, well, the Bible has changed over the years. It hasn't. God has preserved it and it is a supernatural uh, book. Right. And I think that I, I have found this prophecy that we're talking about today in Isaiah seven, just fascinating uh, as I looked at it over the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story really starts out, to give you a little bit of background of what happens, I know you know this, Steve, but uh, yeah. we're both Bible geeks, so we love talking about this sort of <laughs> yep. stuff, you know. But in 732 BC, King Ahaz was on the throne of Judah, and um, he was the king there, and he wasn't a godly king. Uh, these were the people of God who were supposed to be following God, um, but Ahaz was not following God, and he was... Uh, Sacrificing, this is awful. He was sacrificing his children to the pagan god Molech, the Bible tells us. And so he was a a wicked king. He was ungodly. And at one point in his reign, Israel and Syria unite to attack uh, the nation of Judah. And understandably, Ahaz and all the people of Israel, they are, are, of Judah, sorry, um, are terrified. Okay, Mm -hmm. And um, you were telling me that at that point, uh, Ahaz turned to another king for help, didn't he?
0: Right. What was going on was uh, there was a a big threat that was quite a ways geographically removed from Israel, quite a ways away from Judah. It was the rising power of Assyria. Right, right. And so... Is, uh, Judah's near neighbors, Israel and Syria, at that time yep. were under threat from Assyria. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, not to be too confusing here, but Syria and Israel came to fight against Judah. They wanted to force Judah to come into league with them against Assyria. And here comes Ahaz, and he's facing now this threat from two enemies, Syria and his own brothers in the north, Israel, and uh, he's wondering, how am I going to defend myself against them? Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he was really looking at, if they were able to defeat Judah, he was looking at his own kingship, and uh really the the long line of kings in in Judah mm. uh, of the line of David being totally wiped out wow and so yeah. here is David on on the i'm sorry here's Ahaz on the national stage facing this huge dilemma in his life how am i going to preserve my kingdom mm. yes yes and you could you could think you know it's kind of not unlike uh, today when you have like uh, the Ukraine or Crimea yeah. and these big world powers that are threatening smaller powers uh, the same sort of thing was going on all the way back in Ahaz's day and uh, and so Ahaz was faced with some important choices and decisions that he had
1: to make yeah I think the next thing that happens in the story, Um, is God being very gracious to Ahaz. And there's Mm -hmm. there's several reasons, I think, why God intervenes. But basically, God sent the prophet Isaiah to Ahaz to give him a message. And so Isaiah comes, Ahab is actually making ready for war, you know. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah finds him where God tells him to find him. And he goes with his son, actually, his young son, to give him a message. And... Isaiah basically tells Ahaz that he does not need to be worried that God is going to intervene and that Israel and Syria are not going to succeed in trying to attack uh, Judah. And so th- there's several verses there in Isaiah chapter seven before the promise that is very famous, uh, Isaiah seven fourteen, mm-hmm. and uh, Isaiah saying to Ahaz, "Look, you don't need to be worried. Um, these nations are not going to be victorious against you." Um, but at the end of those verses. God turns to Ahaz or through Isaiah and says to him, you know, if you will believe, um, you will be established. But if you will not believe, you will not be established. Mm -hmm. That you need to believe, Isaiah is saying to him, you need to believe that what I am saying to you is going to come true. Yeah. Now, did he believe?
0: <laughs> no, he didn't, and this, this is an important point. If we go back briefly and just mention, God had promised uh, centuries beforehand with King David that yes. he would always mm. pre- preserve the, the David line of kings. Mm-hmm. That was God's promise. So yeah. what should Ahaz have done? He should have just trusted that God was going to be true to his promise and protect Ahaz as a great 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 grandson of David. Yeah. Yeah. And uh rather what, what does Ahaz do? He he goes out and tries to make a league with Assyria and he's trying to find a political uh ally and a way yeah. out of this dilemma that he's in, and so here comes Isaiah now with a word from God, and he says, God is basically telling Ahaz, I just want you to trust me. I am hmm. going to get you out of this according to my promise so long ago to David, hmm. and he's telling Ahaz, if you just trust me, I will preserve your kingship. I will preserve the land of Judah,
1: hmm.
0: yes. and uh, and and yeah, like you say there from Isaiah, he says, uh, Isaiah just tells him, "If you will believe the Lord, you will; everything's going to work out just fine. Yeah. If you don't yeah. believe, you will not be established." Yeah. And no, Ahaz, uh, faced with this dilemma, he he turns away and uh, and basically just tells God, uh, "I don't believe you. I'm not. I'm not going to believe." Yes. Yes. And God actually actually offered him a sign. Now, this was a yeah. um, a miraculous event that God offered Ahaz. Ahaz could have said anything he wanted. Mm -hmm. He could have said, Lord, I will believe you that yeah. you're going to deliver me if you do some outlandish thing. If you make the sun turn purple, for example. <laughs> Ahaz could have asked
1: anything he wanted. And that's literally what God says. You can yeah. ask something in the heaven above or in, you know, the grave beneath. Yeah. The sky's the limit. Yeah. He could have asked for any amazing miracle to happen yeah. to confirm that God was going to to indeed stop the attack from Syria and Israel. Right. But his response wasn't great, was it? <laughs> no,
0: no. He he uh, he pretended to be more pious than he was, and mm-hmm. he just said, "I would never ask yeah. a sign of God. That yeah. would just not, <laughs> you know." And really, what he was saying was uh, he was turning away in unbelief, and he says, "No, I will not ask a sign. I'm mm-hmm. going to go and make a league. I'm going rather than depend on God. I'm going to depend on Assyria
1: to get me yes. out of this
0: problem that I'm in." Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so God. In response, Isaiah says, "Well, God is going to give you a sign anyway, even though you don't want one." Anyway. Yes, yeah. you know, and that's how we we have Isaiah chapter seven fourteen because that is the the sign that God gives to ahaz
0: yeah now this is the uh, christmas prophecy that we all know about it's Mm -hmm. the prophecy of the virgin birth and uh here is ahaz he turns away from god in unbelief and and god says all right you don't believe me you're not going to ask for a sign he says i myself will provide a sign for you Hmm. and we come to verse 14 and it says therefore the lord himself shall give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm. So this is the prophecy. Remember now, many hundreds of years before the coming of Christ, before the coming of the birth of Jesus at Christmas. And he says, a virgin shall conceive, and shall bear a son, and shall
1: call his name Emmanuel. Mm. Yeah. I love the first part of that, how... It, it, the, the really there's two parts to that sign, to that prophecy. The first part, it says, a virgin shall conceive mm-hmm. and bear a son, okay? Um, and of course, a virgin, the idea of a woman who has never known a man physically, okay, mm-hmm. uh, in a sexual way. And Isaiah tells Ahaz, in the future, there is going to be, and it's interesting too, that it's a promise to the house of David, because it's going to happen in the future Mm -hmm. and we're going to look at the fulfillment in in matthew in a moment Mm -hmm. but um the first part is that a virgin will conceive now obviously that's a miracle that doesn't happen babies are not born without uh, you know physical relations being (laughs) discreet about it you know right right um and so that was going to happen now over the years sometimes people have said well that word doesn't really mean virgin um One simple point is that why would it be... Remember, God offered Ahaz a great sign. He said, you can ask anything. And of course, Ahaz declines. Mm -hmm. But then God says through Isaiah, well, I'm going to give you the sign of a virgin becoming pregnant. And while she's still a virgin, she will have a son, specifically. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, who would think that that could ever happen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, That that would indeed be a miraculous sign.
1: Yeah, but the, the, the thought that comes to my mind is... If it's if it's not speaking about a virgin, why is that a sign? Why is that remarkable? In right. other words, it is saying, yeah. that the woman who would become pregnant would be a virgin. She would never have been yeah. with a man.
0: Yeah, he's not just saying like many many people who want to attack the prophecy because they want to really attack the Bible and say, "Oh, this mm-hmm. this isn't a, a real prophecy." We'll say that word there just means a young woman, a young woman yes. shall conceive yes. mm-hmm. and, and bear. Uh, a son. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's a wonderful point there. What kind of a sign would that be? That would be a, an everyday occurrence. That would be no yeah. sign. Yeah. So for it to actually be a sign proclaimed by the prophet Isaiah, it had to have been a virgin, just like that word in the Hebrew and in, yes. in its Greek um, translation means. It means yeah. a virgin, a, a, a young woman who,
1: who has never had sexual relations. Yeah. And I believe it's the only way that you can translate that word. Right. And then the second part of the prophecy, the sign, is, is you will call his name Emmanuel, mm-hmm. which is so powerful, Yeah. Uh, saying that the Messiah would literally be God with us, or God with us in human flesh, yeah. and uh, looking forward to when Jesus would come. So this is not the birth of any ordinary human being. Mm-hmm. What Isaiah 7.14 is talking about is a person who will be divine they will be god yes and yeah. it's it's very clear there and i just i marvel at that thought when you think of jesus that he is god mm-hmm. come to be with us, to be in humanity, to live with us, mm-hmm. and of course, ultimately to die. But his name is Emmanuel, God yeah. with us. You know.
0: And maybe we should mention briefly that uh, this is what makes the Bible so extraordinary. And especially when we talk about prophecy, what other book could predict an event many hundreds of years before? And this wasn't a one-off happenstance type yes. prophecy. Mm-hmm. This was a very precise Prophecy that had to be fulfilled in a certain way for it to be true, yes. and it wasn't a one-time prophecy. It's it's also mentioned later on in the Book of Isaiah, and also mm-hmm. when we come to Micah, who was a contemporary of Isaiah. Yes, uh, he was a prophet who had a ministry around the same time as Isaiah. He also picked up on this theme of the virgin birth, and he mentioned it in Micah five, verses two, three, and four. If you go, yeah. if you look at that, we mentioned that last week in the podcast. Mm. Uh, and that's the prophecy that says that this child will be born in Bethlehem. And uh, and so actually this prophecy is not just here. This is the yeah. clearest passage of it, the, the clearest declaration that we have here in Isaiah 7.14. But it, it, it's actually a theme that runs yes. in these prophets around this time. Mm. Quite yeah. extraordinary,
1: really. Yeah. It, it seems to a lot of uh, Bible scholars believe that... Micah 5 is actually alluding to Isaiah 7. In other words, it, it, it's, and it, of course, it talks about how Jesus will be born in Bethlehem and it talks about his deity, you know, mm-hmm. it says he, whose goings forth were from everlasting, you know, yeah. that this is the eternal God. And I, and I know we, we spoke about that a little bit last yeah. week.
0: We're, we're kind of leading up to the fulfillment of this. We don't want to give away too much because we're actually going to read it in it's Matthew. Hard. But, but think really about tough. how how detailed this prophecy is and yeah. what this young child is going to be like. Born of a virgin, yeah. he's going to have attributes of deity, of God. Mm. He's going to be God-like or God in the yeah. flesh. Emmanuel means God with us. Yes, And so... Um, there's no doubt, when we look back in history, about the fulfillment of this, there's only one yeah. person that meets these criteria.
1: Yes, yes. It's interesting, too, that even in the Gospels, um, I know we need to go on to the next point, but I love uh, Micah 5, <laughs> it's yeah, oh yeah, It's just a powerful beautiful prophecy. Message, yeah. But even the, the people in Jesus' day, not only the Jewish leaders, but also the ordinary Jews... Around the time of Christ, expected Jesus to be born in the town of Bethlehem. Uh, The Messiah, you know. Of course, we talk about Jesus. They were looking for the Messiah, the one that God would send. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting to me that they understood Micah five two as speaking about the Messiah, Mm -hmm. and they were waiting. For someone who would come, who would be sent from God, that would be born specifically in Bethlehem. And if Isaiah 7.14 and Micah 5.2 are linked, Isaiah 7.14 is definitely referring to the Messiah. Yeah, And we will see um, here in, in Matthew chapter 1, it talks about the fulfillment um, of that prophecy. Uh, basically, the backstory, I'm not going to read the whole passage, um, but Joseph becomes aware that Mary is pregnant and they are engaged to be married it's in Jewish uh, terms is a little stronger than our idea of engagement in the western world they were betrothed and Joseph becomes aware that Mary's pregnant and of course he's disappointed he presumes uh, that she's been unfaithful to him she's been with another man and so he's thinking about these things the bible says he didn't want to make a show of her he was a good man Joseph was a a just man And um, it says in in Matthew chapter one, it says, but while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take unto you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And in verse 22 then, so all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And so um, the angel is sent to Joseph and says, She has not been unfaithful to you. Uh, This is uh, miraculous. She is uh, pregnant by a miracle that the Holy Spirit has performed in her body. And then what is so amazing to me is uh, the angel, uh, well, the book of Matthew quotes that prophecy from Isaiah 7.14. Mm -hmm. Now, what does that mean about who Jesus Christ is?
0: Well, what that tells us about Jesus is that uh, he fulfills this Isaiah prophecy, and it's not just the Isaiah prophecy, it's the whole Old Testament points forward to this one man, Mm. and no one else in history fulfills these prophecies. And so really Jesus, according to the Bible, is the center point of history. He's the most important man of history. And everything before Christ looks forward to his coming, everything after him looks back to his work on the cross and looks forward to his second coming. Mm. And Mm. so it really tells us that, well, the virgin birth tells us that, first of all, Jesus is God, he is Emmanuel, he is God with us, he's God in the flesh, he is the God-man.
1: Yes, because whoever fulfills that prophecy in 714, Isaiah 714, has to be God. Must it, be God, yeah. yeah,
0: according to both Isaiah and Matthew. Mm, yeah. And secondly, he he was virgin-born, which means that he is the sinless Savior. And so we, we've talked about that in the past here on the podcast, that we needed a sinless Savior because we're sinful. Our Savior has to be sinless for us. And so mm. when we receive Christ as our Savior, he gives us his righteousness. Yeah. So really, when we look at all these things, Jesus Christ is... Is an extraordinary figure yes. there's no one else yes. like jesus yeah. he, he is the center point of history he is uh he is the god man um he is one to be feared he is one to be adored he's one that we ought to bow down uh, and bend the knee to him and worship him yeah. and accept him as our savior and this brings us back to joseph's response now uh, many generations prior, uh, Joseph's great great grandfather going back I think yeah. 17 generations to Ahaz, had turned away from the virgin birth prophecy and unbelief, did not receive it as a sign. Okay, many generations later, his great-great-great-grandson Joseph received the same sign of the virgin birth and received it, accepted it in faith. He yep. did take Mary as his wife, and he named Jesus... Um, the sign that he accepted him as his own son, yeah. and yeah. so where Ahaz turned away, Joseph received the sign in belief. Mm. Jesus believed the word of God.
1: And you know, Steve, I can I can really identify with Ahaz in that sometimes it's difficult to trust God. Mm. It's difficult to depend on the promises of His Word, and mm-hmm. um, we want to do something ourselves and. Uh, you know, we want to do it our own way and even, you know, getting to heaven, having a relationship with God, there's that impulse in us because we're sinful, we're human that we want to do it ourselves. We want to do something to earn salvation. And God says, Mm -hmm. no, by grace, you are saved Mm -hmm. through faith. And so like Joseph, we need to trust the word of God and Mm -hmm. depend on his word. And so I want to be like Joseph, you know, I want to trust God's word. Yeah, the
0: virgin birth is really a test of faith. Mm. It was a test of faith for Ahaz, for Joseph, and for us. And so the question for us and the question for all of our viewers is, what do you do with God's Word and God's presentation of Jesus as the gift who would save us from our mm. sins? Mm. And you you have to recognize that God is holding out this gift, and like Oriole said at the very opening of this podcast, you may not want this gift, you may not recognize, recognize that this is a gift you need but this is the god's gift for you it's it's the coming of jesus as the savior of the world and like eight a- Like Isaiah said to Ahaz, if you don't receive this, you will not be established. In other words, if you don't receive Jesus Christ by faith, you'll never be accepted by God. And so how do you respond to Jesus? Have Mm. you accepted Jesus Christ by faith? Mm. And as we've said so many times, uh, it's really up to you. You have to uh, just believe God's word and receive Jesus Christ by faith in your heart. Bow the knee to him and depend on him as the savior from your sin. That is the most precious gift that you could ever receive this Christmas season. That's what Christmas is all about. Mm -hmm. It's God's gift of salvation to mankind. It's not yours until you reach out and receive it. Mm And so accept Jesus Christ by faith. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, if you already know Jesus by faith, share this gift with yes. others. Yeah. Speak this word of hope and joy and the gospel to your family members, to people around you who may not know that this is God's gift to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so I hope you can say that you have received Jesus Christ um, as your free gift and we thank you for watching. P- yeah. Please join us next week as we look more at precisely who this baby Jesus is and what he would become yes. in his life. Uh, we'll look forward to our special Christmas segment next week. But thank you. Look forward to seeing you again. Thanks.